Welcome to this episode of Real Christianity. My name is Dale Partridge, where each week I offer 15 to 20 minute answers to tough theological and pastoral questions. This is a 100% listener-supported audio ministry of relearn.org. And for those who don't know, our mission at relearn.org is to educate and equip ordinary Christians to plant biblical, confessional, and missional house churches. For more information, just visit relearn.org forward slash house. Welcome to this episode of Real Christianity. My name is Dale Partridge. Where each week I offer 15 to 20 minute answers to tough theological and pastoral questions. This show is a 100% listener supported audio ministry of relearn.org. And for those who don't know, our mission at relearn.org is to bring the church back to the Bible. For bold daily encouragements, join the over 500,000 Christians who follow us on social media by searching relearn.org on any platform. Okay, good topic today. Unfortunately, as many of you know, uh, the vast majority of Christians in the West know very little about what they say they believe. Uh, They say things like, Jesus is my theology, or I don't need doctrine, I just need the Bible, or uh, my only creed is Christ. I've heard these things said before. We have a big issue with me, my Bible, and I theology. In addition to this, we also have several other groups out there uh, who call themselves Christian, but their definition of the Bible, God, Christ, and the church are out of step with historic, biblical, evangelical Christianity. So the truth is, uh, if someone calls themselves a Christian today, that needs to be qualified. But how do we do that? How do we discern genuine believers from deceived religious groups, uh, from cultic movements, and from heretics? That's the question that we're going to be answering today. But before we dive in, I just want to make one quick announcement. And guys, we're getting to a close on these announcements about donations, but I wanted to uh, roll over this just one more time. And uh, as I've told you several times already in the past episodes for uh, the month of December, our goal is to raise $20,000 this month to support our ministry efforts coming into the new year. Uh, It's now December 23rd. And we've raised actually $18,200 of that $20,000. So we're still in need of uh, $1,800. That's, that's, that's all we need to really hit those uh, financial needs for the first quarter of 2021. Uh, this is, again, also in, in addition to all of our other donors that have supported us, but this is going to specific projects, especially with Reformation Seminary, uh, our church planting, our house church planting training program. But again, thank you guys for everyone who donated last week. Uh, your faithfulness, again, will make a significant difference in our ability to continue preaching the gospel, training pastors for house church planting ministry. Um, but we still do need a few more donors to join. Uh, And if you're a regular listener to the show, we just ask you to prayerfully consider making either a one-time donation or a monthly donation really helps our ministry because what it does is it gives us stability. It allows us to go, okay, wow, we have some people that are contributing $25 a month or $50 a month. We have several people that do $100 a month. That really gives us stability where we go, okay, we, we can count on, we can actually hire this person because we have several, you know, several hundred donors that are on a monthly donation that give us a consistent, reliable income. That's really helpful to a ministry like ours, who's we're very small. We only have a 
few people on staff. And so just consider that uh, as you're, as you're um, looking at your finances and if you feel led to support our ministry. Again, this is a tax-deductible donation, so you get a tax write-off, and we promise to be wise stewards of your gifts. You can make a donation at relearn.org forward slash donate. Again, that's relearn.org forward slash donate. Okay, today's question is from Jake from Columbia in South Carolina, or I should say Columbia, South Carolina. Um, And he asked the question, Pastor Dale, I'm a youth pastor, and in recent years, we've had more people join our church from Bethel, Hillsong, or one of these other mega churches who promote a health and wealth-like gospel. Additionally, we have also had people join from several fundamentalist Baptist churches here in the South. Essentially, I'm realizing that many of these new people at our church are unaware that they hold a variety of heretical ideas about the gospel, the church, and the Bible. How can I bring our church or help bring our church as a whole to an orthodox view of Christian doctrine? Okay, this is a really good question, and it's actually uh, something that I'm going to try to talk to you as a pastor, Jake, but also I think is very helpful for the average Christian. And so, uh, let's just uh, let's just all dive in together on this. And I can assure you, Jake, that this is a problem for all pastors, basically for all time. Uh, always having people come in from different uh, walks of life and different uh, experiences and different historical church, um, you know, uh, standards and and statements of faith. So that this is a very common thing. We live in a generation where many people, I mean, many many people in the church are the walking dead. And by that, I mean that they're physically alive, but they're spiritually dead. And and this is because we've, again, peddled Christianity from the pulpit, and we've told people if they pray the sinner's prayer and they get baptized, that they're saved. And this is very different from the historical biblical Christianity that we see down the uh, you know, down the annals of church history. Biblical Christianity preaches the gospel, and they do it repetitively and boldly. There was no altar calls or sinner's prayers to initiate conversion. Um, these, again, are, are extra-biblical practices that I believe have no place in the church. People don't need to come forward at church to come to Christ. Okay, this idea of calling people forward— uh, if you look at it through when it started, you know, coming into church practice, I really believe that it's man's way of measuring the success of his own evangelism. Uh, you know, I've had people come to Christ through this podcast. They never came forward or said the sinner's prayer. The sinner's prayer doesn't save people. God saves people by opening their ears and their eyes to the gospel, granting them repentance and faith. And, and bringing them through regeneration and into the fold of God's people. People need to hear the raw biblical gospel, and then we need to wait for the Lord to birth these people into his kingdom. And, you know, I, I want to, uh, to preach and to proclaim. I, I, I'm not trying to intellectually persuade people when I preach. I'm trying to penetrate the heart. That's my aim, is to penetrate the heart. Um, and I can't break through. It's the Lord that's got to do it, but I'm just going to preach the gospel faithfully, direct it at the heart. And and the gospel, we have to believe, guys, is a knife. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And, And we need to let it do the piercing and the wounding 
and allow people's brokenness and and crumbling self-reliance to drive them to repentance and belief. But again, unfortunately, that's not what we have today. At least we have so many decades of recent history of that's not what's happened. And for that reason, we have thousands of cultural Christians, these uh, Bible Belt kind of Americana Christians, conservative Republican Christians, religious moralist Christians who are deceived. Uh, They're misinformed. And many of them are actually on their way to hell and they have no idea. And so... Uh, I'm just going to be very bold there. Uh, And Jake, I'm going to break down my response in two pieces. First, we just need to first commit to a constant re-preaching of gospel basics. I'm talking over and over and over and over and over and over again. Every Sunday, gospel basics over and over because you don't know when the Lord might break through uh, the heart of somebody Oh my goodness, I can't believe that. Wait, what? That's what the gospel means? Like the breakthroughs are just amazing when they come, but it's just faithful preaching of the biblical gospel integrated into your sermons, integrated into your discussions, integrated into your announcements, whatever you possibly can get that gospel basic doctrine out there. In American churchianity, uh, you really need to pry people's dead hands from their church camp testimony where someone asked them at 12 years old if they don't want to go to hell and if, if that was the case, they should come forward and accept Jesus. I mean, you gotta, I mean these people are white-knuckled onto that testimony. And, and I'm not saying that every church camp convert is false. Um, you know, many people are saved through these ministries but many are also deceived through these moments. They're, they, they believe that they're actually saved when in reality, they're actually not. They're just in a religious state. Uh, again, Dr. Steve Lawson says this quote. I say it all the time. I'm going to have you guys memorize this quote. Uh, he says, the only thing worse than not having the assurance of salvation is having the false assurance of salvation. Now, I don't want anybody here to just start doubting their salvation because I'm saying this, but I do want all of us to self-examine and to look at our comprehension of the gospel against biblical, Christian, historic, evangelical Christianity. Like, Look at it and go, do we believe what the Bible says we're supposed to believe? Is that the view? Because pharisaical living is a real thing. It's a real thing, and we need to be aware of that. John Wesley, George Whitfield, Charles Wesley, um, you know, Jonathan Edwards, uh, some of the Martin Luther, John Calvin. I mean, guys, these are people who were in the church for years, in ministry for years. Some of them had doctorates and master's degrees in theology before they actually. We're born again. Now, God has unique stories for these men, and I don't want to project those stories upon you. But what I'm saying is they were deceived by the Catholic Church. And today we have all types of deceiving things that are out there, and we need to get very clear on what biblical Christianity is and make sure that we are in step or in alignment with that. So that, that's my, my little preach section r- right there. Um, and so 
Secondly, that was the first thing. We got to preach the gospel basics over and over again. Not assume that people are actually, uh, that everybody in your church is saved. Uh, Actually, I'm going to go on a tangent just for a second. We have to remember that revival, historically, when we think of the word revival, okay, this is not historically defined as a group of people who were a bunch of atheists that came to Christ. Like the Great Awakening uh, in the 1700s and the Second Great Awakening, these are uh, these are Great Awakenings of people who call themselves Christians. These are people in the churches who who didn't know they were dead, coming alive because someone started preaching the biblical gospel. I mean, if you read the accounts of people who are listening to Jonathan Edwards' uh, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Uh, this is a, a sermon that he delivered. And there's accounts of people that are like wallowing. I mean, I'm like, like just wailing, screaming out, asking for forgiveness, crying at the foot of the cross, like wild stories of repentance because Jonathan Edwards preached the biblical raw gospel. Paul Washer talks about this same thing as well, that he was preaching once and all of a sudden he started seeing without an invitation to come forward, people are coming and they're they're like wailing and crying and laying themselves on the front of the steps before him. And they're, they're just quiet. And they're, he's just continues preaching and preaching and more people start coming forward. This is, this is what we're, I'm trying to say here is that when we preach the biblical gospel, you just are, are the midwife of God's work. He is, he is birthing out these people. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Preach the word of God. Preach that gospel and and let people just come to faith and on their own. You don't need to invite them forward. You don't need to have them say a printer's prayer. Just, just preach that gospel and let the Lord do the rest. Secondly, um, and to get to the more direct issue at this episode, catechize your church members. Okay, present to them biblical, historic, evangelical Christianity, and let them, again, examine um, that very clear definition written down against what they believe. And as you stated, Jake, in your question, um, you know, you have people from all types of Jesus-related religious backgrounds. Uh, but when someone says, uh, I'm a Christian today, what does that even mean, right? We have to determine what that means because the Jehovah's Witnesses call themselves Christians. The Mormons call themselves Christians. The grave-sucking Christian tarot card reading extreme Bethel church people call themselves Christians. The Amish call themselves Christians, right? There, there's, there's all these people out there that call themselves Christians, but there is only one gospel and every single one of these groups disagrees with the other about what it is. Okay, so this is the value of confessionalism, okay, confessionalism. Like our ministry at Reformation Seminary, we're planting biblical house churches. Um, our ministry is a confessional church movement. This doesn't mean that we elevate it above Scripture. That's not what I'm saying. Is that we have clear confessions about what we believe. Um, our little house church confession book is 100 pages long. And it talks about what we believe. And we're always clarifying that and clarifying that to get more clear. And so 
We need confessions in the church, and this is a very helpful tool for a church. And I'm not talking about, again, shallow, easily misinterpreted, three-paragraph statement of faith on your church website that makes the entire world feel accepted either. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about churches who either adhere to or uh, you know, or adopt their own historic statements of faith. I'm thinking about like the 1689 Baptist Confession of Faith or the Westminster uh, Statement of Faith. Um, or John MacArthur uh, spent, I think, several months, maybe even several years, writing the, the Grace Community Church um, um, Constitution. And, but, but these need to be, again, ultra-clear, thorough, well-documented, explained, biblically-backed, robust statements of faith on uh, Christ, the Trinity, Scripture, the Church, the Gospel, right? Some confessional churches have even gone as far to confess openly their beliefs on marriage and children and sexuality and gender and divorce. And bottom line, we, we live in an information age that's riddled with relativism and self-determining truth. Okay, we, we have a low intellect and a low, I mean, meaning that my, our desire for intellectual assent is low. We have very low understanding of logic, very low understanding of philosophy or religion. We have a low value for mental theological discipline, um, low respect and trust for experts like pastors who have been trained. Uh, we have high emotions, we have high desires for pleasure, we're self-centric, we're autonomous and independent by nature. I mean, guys, we are a generation that has every ingredient for creating and adopting bad theology, okay? This is is why the church is a mess right now. Uh, The founding president of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, he wrote a, a really cool little two-paragraph piece, short paragraphs. I'm going to read them to you uh, just to kind of explain. Uh, He wrote about confessionalism. He says, a church with a little creed is a church with with a little life. The more divine doctrines a church can agree on, the greater its power and the wider its usefulness. The fewer its articles of faith, the fewer its bonds of union and compactness. The modern cry of less creed and more liberty is a degeneration from the vertebrate to the jellyfish and means less unity and less morality, and it means more heresy. Definitive truth does not create heresy. It only exposes it and corrects it. Shut off the creed and the Christian church or the Christian work would fill up with heresy, unsuspected and uncorrected, but nonetheless deadly. This is just, this is exactly what I'm talking about here. We need to get clear. And so um, I'll talk more about that in a second, but to, to, so I, I would say, Jake, take your church, or if you're a listener, take your family through a robust confession of faith. For example, I'm holding right now in my hands the uh, 1689 Baptist Confession of Faith in Modern English. Uh, It's produced by Founders Ministry. Uh, A friend of mine, Tom Askell, I've actually just had him. I did an interview with him uh, that'll be coming out on the podcast in the future. Uh, Founders.org, you can actually pick up a copy of that and read it. It's about 60 pages long. Um, Now, these confessions, are are, they're not to, again, supersede the scriptures. They're simply... 
to organize and succinctly identify the grand teaching or the grand narrative of the scriptures. And I like these older confessions because uh, they've stood the test of time and scrutiny. Uh, and additionally, I, I like them because they, they're developed by hundreds of pastors and theologians and not just a small, a small team of men. And um, to get really practical, uh, there are, again, several Q&A catechisms that can help Christians grasp what they believe. And these I use with my children. I think it's something we can use in the church, uh, small groups. This is a great tool. Uh, for example, if you're a believer and you've been a believer for many years and you can't answer just questions like, what is the Trinity? Or why does Jesus need to be fully man and fully God? Or what is the chief end of man? Or how were godly people saved before the coming of Christ? Or what does communion represent? Or what is the purpose of the church? Or how does Christ's resurrect or resurrection benefit us? Or uh, how many sacraments did Christ institute in the New Testament? God, you need to have the answers for this. And those questions that I just listed off, those come from the catechism for children between the ages of 8 and 10. Okay, that, that, this is basic stuff that we need to really take hold of in our churches, in our families, so that we understand what we believe. Ultimately, a confessional church is a place of informed and unified members who are more equipped to guard against heresies and false teachings. Okay, we need to be informed, which, and then we can be unified around these ideas, and we're more equipped when we know the truth to notice a lie. Okay, Christians need to be clear about what Christianity is. And, and when you have a church that's filled with people who hold varying views on critical issues, um, one, this, this is just grounds for a church to explode and divide and turn into a mess. But the only way to deal with that, in my opinion, if this is what's going on in your church, um, a bunch of people who are unclear, a bunch of people who don't like, they, they, they don't even know they have a statement of faith on their church's website. This is, this is not good because this is a breeding grounds for deception. And the only way to get past this, as I said, is preaching the biblical doctrine and, the, and gospel truth over and over again. And then again, offering systematic training and reading of historic statements of faith that are robust, deep, and then grasping those fundamentals through catechism, through question and answer catechism. Guys, these are wonderful tools that have proven to be very fruitful throughout church history. So I'll give you guys a few resources on this episode, and hopefully it'll be helpful for you guys as we close out. Um, but a, a few things that I'm going to say just kind of that you can just Google around and find is uh, the Apostles' Creed is a good one. Just it's essential, basic Christian fundamentals. Um, it's something that a lot of churches would recite on a regular basis or many Christians have memorized. But I, I would look at the Apostles' Creed. I would look at the Athanasian Creed. And this is uh, a Trinitarian uh, defense against Arianism uh, early, I believe, I think it's the fourth century is when that happened. But the Athanasian Creed is a great creed to understand the complexity of explaining and representing the Trinity faithfully when people ask about it. And guys, so many issues come 
I mean, the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons, and I mean, the way they view Trinity, I mean, it's very, very different than how we view Trinity. The Nicene Creed, same thing, kind of a reaction to the Arian um, uh, view uh, from the, the uh, I guess it would be mid to late 4th century. Um, and this is, again, another Trinitarian view, but it also talks about the hypostatic union, God, Jesus being fully man and fully God. So there's some great things there. These are, again, just basic creeds, which are different than statements of faith. Um, the 1689 Baptist Confession of Faith is great. It's a Reformed um, view of uh, Reformed theology on a Reformed view of the Christian faith. And it's, it's, it's robust, not overwhelming, but robust. The Westminster Confession of Faith can be a little overwhelming, but it's a fantastic read uh, getting through it, especially if you could find a version in some modern English. Banner of Truth produced a, uh, a, a version of that, I believe. I don't know if it's in modern English or not, but it's worth having on your bookshelf for sure. Another great resource is the Heidelberg Catechism. Uh, I like that catechism actually the most because instead of talking about like in a third person perspective, it's it's talking in a first person perspective. It's very pointed at you and at your heart. And it's just a really great catechism. There's actually, uh, it's a, it comes from a, a Presbyterian background, but you're, there's actually a Baptist version of the Heidelberg Catechism. So you can look those up as well. Kevin DeYoung wrote a book called The Good News We Almost Forgot, uh, Rediscovering the Gospel in a 16th Century Catechism. And it's just goes basically question by question, bringing explanation to that catechism. It's a really great book. It's published by Moody. Um, and then um, over at Founders, again, Tom Askell and his crew, I've been doing this little catechism with my children. It's called Truth and Grace. And there's stage one, stage two, and stage three. And they go for like young kid, little kids to like, uh, you know, you know, eight to 10 year olds and up to like, like early teen kids. And they're actually really good for you. Uh, when you're reading th- through our, through them uh, to your kids, you'll go, wow, I know the answers to these things. Now, my daughter is about to be seven and she knows, I think about a hundred Q and A's at this point, um, all the way through the first book. And she's getting ready to go into the second book. And so just a great little resource there. They're cheap too. I think they're like five to 10 bucks each and just go to founders.org. I'm not making any money on it. So just go over there and, uh, support their ministry and what they're doing. Again, those are called the truth and grace memory books, uh, one, two, and three. So, uh, I will put some of those links on the, um, the post page for this episode. It might not be up for a day or two, but it'll be up there soon. If you guys uh, could, if you're a regular listener, please leave a review on the podcast. Just tap the podcast app, tap the stars. You don't need to write anything, but if you do, I will read it. And I've read several of them just this week. We have almost, almost 6,000 or almost five. No, I think almost 6,000 reviews. And guys, they really do help the exposure of the show. Also, would you tell somebody about the show? I feel like so many people have been introduced to our show and we've heard the testimonies. Would you just, yeah, just share the show with somebody, uh, maybe share a specific episode with somebody. Uh, that's how this podcast grows. That's how our ministry uh, grows as well. If you don't already follow us on Instagram, you can follow us at relearn on, uh, on Instagram or just search relearn and you'll find us relearn.org. We are there. You can also follow me on Twitter. I'm posting out there pretty regularly about just about every day at Dale Partridge and uh, hopefully would just offer you guys some edifying truths for your Christian journey. 
Hopefully this episode was good for you, was helpful for you, was useful for you, and then it brought you closer to Christ. We will see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Christianity. If you're a regular listener to this show, would you prayerfully consider making a donation to support our ministry efforts? Simply visit relearn.org forward slash donate. Again, that's relearn.org forward slash donate. And for those looking to explore the idea of joining or planting a church in your home, you can download our free PDF ebook titled The Basics of Biblical House Church by visiting relearn.org forward slash house. Lastly, do you have a theological question you would like answered on the show? Submit your question at relearn.org forward slash question. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Real Christianity. We will see you next Wednesday.